Hello, everyone. Welcome to Game Junk Prototype, episode 82, recording on October 31st. 2021 a sunday happy halloween my name is frank my name is sean <laughs> and my name is andrew <laughs> so sean is a bit of a muffled voice if you're watching us at uh, youtube.com forward slash game junk you can see he's wearing his halloween costume which is video game related he is uh now removing his mask there we go yeah. sean tell the people what you are for halloween or were for halloween i was an enderman uh, you know Kieran went as Alex from Minecraft, so I thought I should try and pair it up with that in some way. But, you know, I'm all about the last-minute, low-budget costumes, and this was perfect. But you've always, all black and, always uh, excelled when... Well, that's, a, that's a big deal for you. You don't wear black T-shirts. You've said that many exactly. times. Exactly. Although I've caught you I wearing might. one quite often lately. Um, but, uh, you know, you would always turn... That's just like, my thing. Ooh, it's black too. Nice. I use like black, black t-shirts. t-shirts. <laughs> so just had to get those in. You would always do a low budget costume, but you always brought the creativity. Like you get the yeah, maximum I mean, out of that low budget. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's all about leaving to the last minute, and your brain is forced to come up with something. So that's what I came up with this year. But it was not very practical for actually going out trick or treating. That box was killing my neck. So. Uh, <laughs> Is there any eye holes? It looks like there are none. Yeah, Yeah, there's like little slits underneath here. Oh, are there? Okay. Yeah. Well done. Can't even tell. (laughs) Huck was trick-or-treating. You might have blurred vision as a result of too much Guinness if you can't see those eye holes in the (laughs) the mask, but uh, it's okay. Sean, have you had any other video game or anyone had video uh, game-related costumes that were big successes in the past? In the past? Hmm. I've never had a video game related costume. I don't. Know. I feel I know this. Uh, when I was at Silicon Knights, every year people would say you you have to go as Agent Forty Seven, and I don't remember if I ever actually did. <laughs> I think maybe I did one year, but that's all that comes to mind. It's a good one. You're still rocking a Lobot costume every time you're wearing the headphones. <laughs> it's yeah. a minute away, or a, a second away. <laughs> pardon me. All you got to do is shift those headphones. And you are a lobot. All right. Well, today we're going to talk state of play. Not going to get into the details. I mean, spoiler alert, it was a turd. Uh, But (laughs) we'll go over some of the things in there. And then we're going to talk, we're going to dip a bit into the metaverse slash Carmack. Carmack keynote. Um, And we'll get a bit into that. And what we played, including Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, which Sean and I have both played. So let's... Let's get into it. As I like to say, the state of play, which was this previous Wednesday, was only 20 minutes featuring some small third-party titles. I would kind of call this the PlayStation Plus free game of the month state of play. Almost every (laughs) game, I was like, oh, this looks like it might be a free game for PlayStation Plus. It's like they already know that these are what they're going to be, and they're just, you know... Getting you excited about them, but um, one of them was officially announced. The first game, Deathverse, right away, I'm like, oh, here comes this month's PlayStation Plus game. Looked pretty obvious, but that's not coming uh, for quite some time. But I honestly was not excited about much here. The big announcement, I guess, was, or the feature was Little Devil Inside, which I think we've all been excited about for some time. I've been excited about 
it since May 25th, 2015, which is when I backed the Kickstarter, and I'm still waiting for this game, which was promised to be delivered in June 2016. Uh, I think we started on Embers of Miram right around the time when uh, I backed this, and we were done in two years. I think probably before the time I got my first update uh, for Little Devil Inside. So I've been waiting for this game for a while. I think it's kind of weird. They haven't even updated Kickstarter in a year and a half. Mm, That's kind of fucked. Pretty fucked. Yeah, I must say, are in a weird place. I mean, there's articles and outrage over like servers shutting down for old games, and like, how, how is this not a story? This seems to be a pretty big game, and like this, this Kickstarter has been completely ignored. Yeah, I'm starting to like. Even after watching this video, so we're just going to jump right to the end. But like, uh, I'm starting to think this game is heading to trouble because everything they show, I. I can't really wrap my head around what this game is. Like, they're showing all these little vignettes that look super cool. The art style is amazing. And then you have this, like, overworld map that totally reminds me of, like, the characters from Stacking, like, bobbing back and forth, walking through the world. And in this, they spent, I don't know, probably, what, eight to ten minutes on this game, I would say. Like, quite a big chunk of it. I think it was four minutes. Four minutes? Okay, felt long, I guess. Um, I agree. But they they uh, they don't show much. Like, they show him on a train looking at his inventory. Okay, what's that about? Who knows? Uh, then they show him, like, in the overworld, and they're like, you can run into people and talk to them. And you're like, okay, you can do that in every single game that's ever been created. Uh, why is that special? And then they're like, you can have random events on the overworld map, and they show them moving some sheep. Okay, that's not exciting either. And then they're and then they just go into this thing about how you go into a mansion on this fetch quest and happen to run into a guy. I'm like, is this Death Stranding? Like, are you a delivery man? They don't even say like kind of what you do. And then what else do they do? Uh, they show them camping. Oh, it's like you got to find a place to camp. I don't know. Like, what is this game? I what is it? I understand what you're saying, but I disagree because I think okay. Like you said, a lot of games do the things this game does. Why I'm excited about it is because of the perspective and presentation of those ideas, which in the mansion, when you get down to the final room and it's like this very strange camera perspective, kind of locked off, different aspect ratio where there's this monster octopus, like that looks really interesting to me. I Obviously, I haven't played it. I don't know what the gameplay is like. It feels like everything they do with this game is showcasing how much you can do. I'm still like you, Huck, not convinced any of it is that great. But if I'm like most indie games or smaller games, the selling features, the art style and that they're crushing. It's going to get eyes. And it's like, does the gameplay match the art style? That's what it's going to come down to eventually. So the fact that they spent this much time and Sony is promoting it this much makes me think whatever they have there playability wise has got to be decent or I don't think they'd be giving it this much attention, but I agree. It's like, hopefully it's good. I love the art style, the train, the, the camera perspectives waiting at the station, all that stuff. No one has ever said this game graphically and artistically doesn't look fantastic, but I feel like the longer it goes, you know, the expectations are getting higher and higher, especially from Kickstarter backers. And I looked at some of the comments before we recorded and, they are not kind right now on the uh, mm. the comments for that Kickstarter, which I kind of understand. I mean, when I support a Kickstarter, part of me thinks I may never see anything for this ever. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, 
still feels a little weird that they're updating through huge press conferences and videos, but not to the people who gave them the money to start it. Yeah, that's a little weird for sure. I mean, like I said, I don't know. Kickstarters, uh, it feels like people are not backing them as much as they used to be, possibly because of things like this where people have gotten burned and it just, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Kickstarter is still going strong, but it feels to me like it's not like it once was. Um, but yeah, as far as this game goes, it looks cool. I kind of agree with Huck in that I'm I'm not really sure what it is, but I mean, that's nothing new. It's... It, I guess it's just the fact that it's been five years in development and we still don't really know what it is, is maybe a little concerning. feels like they just are, you know, the scope keeps expanding and they keep changing what they want to do with it. And somebody at some point needs to be like, okay, let's just ship this thing. That has clearly never been said at this studio. <laughs> uh, so I, I don't have a lot of other things that I was excited about in general. Everything felt like, different versions of popular games or genres that people like the um, first class trouble was a 3d among us type game. And it is, it was a online social deduction game and it is, I was not surprised before they even announced it. I'm like, this has got to be the free game this month. And it was, (laughs) I don't, I feel like this fad is among us captured something i can't i think mostly because of how cheap and available it was i don't know if it's necessarily the the game itself but i feel like this fad could be dying uh cart rider drift felt to me like an attempt at a cart version or cart racer fall guys type situation where simple art style customization Really? I, guess, I thought that was like a straight Mario Kart ripoff. I mean, it, Essence I, I, of Toad's Turd Pike. Like, some of the animations looked like one-for-one one Mario Kart. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's Mario Kart, but it's like, okay, what do people like about Fall Guys? How can we apply it to Mario Kart? Like, it just feels like a mashup of those two things. And I guess if the kart racing is really great, like Mario Kart level, I could be interested. But the kind of generic... Uh, simple graphics idea doesn't do much for me on its own. I, I did feel like watching this. Someone could come along and, you know, make weaponry interesting. Like, I feel like weaponry in these types of games has gotten kind of stagnant. There's a homing missile, uh, a, a area attack, that type of thing. Like, I feel like there's room to explore and make combat more fun in a game like this. Uh, I didn't necessarily see it on display here, but there was... I basically got that from the, there was that weird spiraling missile in uh, one of the clips. And I'm like, okay, am I controlling that? What's going on here? Could be good. Um, I guess the weird, the selling feature is that it's free to play. Is it? I think that's, did I miss that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's right. It was right at the end, like title sequence right before it said coming 2022 said free to play. So obviously that's what they're going for. Trying to get some of that, like kind of, you know, free-to-play market just get a lot of eyeballs on it and then sell customizations or whatever so uh also i'll mention death's door coming to playstation november 23rd which was the best microsoft exclusive i played in a long time and the exclusivity window was pretty short i think that was july or august Mm -hmm. on xbox so 
I mean, it's not a good state of play when the thing I'm most excited to play is a game I've already beaten on a different console. So, are you going to buy it again? Absolutely. <laughs> Comes out November twenty third again. Yeah, you get a trophies, fr- baby. Um, free Titan Souls if you pre order. I already own that game, but for people out there, Death Door is an amazing game. Titan Souls is pretty good. Uh, it was a little too hard for my liking, but do it pre order. Get that free shit. Mm-hmm. And so the other roundup of stuff, uh, Star Ocean, the Divine Force. I don't know Star Ocean. I thought the frog looked cool. Combat might be okay. Graphics looked all right. There was like a a, a repeating texture on the ground that looked like <laughs> PS2 level. But I I I really want have wanted to love Star Ocean in the past, and I find that Star Ocean games always like tempt you with the like appeal of it being in space and maybe having some sort of like epic space opera and it basically always comes down and i already saw it it comes down to your ship getting attacked crashing on a planet and then you spend the whole time on that planet there's no space at all other than your initial kind of like entry into the game and i guarantee that's what this one's going to be because that's what they all are and I'm I'm checking out on Star Ocean, even though it's an RPG and I want to love it, but I can't. I don't think I'm going to be in on this one. It's the 25th anniversary of the franchise, apparently. It's pretty cool. The only thing I liked is that all the main characters looked like they could have been in an 80s hair metal band. And uh, that had me interested, but other than that, not much. Okay, so uh, Sean, did you tell your children Bug Snacks DLC coming? They they're excited. They started playing the original Bug Snacks again. So nice. I mean that game yeah. is big with kids. I love Bug Snacks. Uh, some other things: King of the Fighters 15. I think not really into that. Five Nights at Freddy's stuff does not work for me. Uh, we are OFK, which is a, a biopic for an indie band. I guess the concept's interesting. It's kind of like Gorillas, like a video game band. Uh, it is weird to me that there's no music yet. Like there's a, it's an episodic thing. And I think if they said one song per episode, it's going to be like an EP. I mean, a game like this, I would think comes down to the music. Like, is it a good song? I think of, uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts where like, I actually really like the music and this game, it, I got to hear some music if that's what this is about. So, um, and finally, yeah, I won't. I also got the feeling that it's not really about the music. It's kind of like a adventure game. Yeah, for sure. It's like a touch of their music to kind of like tempt you to buy the album or something like that. Yeah, it's mostly story based, but the, I mean, unless the story is amazing and we, we all know video game stories for me, no, <laughs> there's never been a game I would play just for its story. So I think for me anyway, if if the music's good, I will uh, give it a shot. The art style's really good but uh you know i gotta hear some tunes i need some bangers yeah i don't know the band but i feel like we have i think it just exists uh, yeah i think it just exists in this game oh really i think i don't i I, 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 like yeah i feel like we have seen trailers for this somewhere and i thought it looked kind of interesting so i'm yeah it seemed familiar to me as well yeah we've definitely seen it before i can't remember where and the first announcement was Deathverse. this was my first uh reeks of playstation plus free game moment but uh it looked okay a little generic I, I found this one weird i thought 
it gave me totally like lawbreakers and drawn to death vibes like these kind of like arena shooters that kind of just went out to die like a couple years ago and why are i don't know what the draw of this will be uh because those were free to play and they died uh i don't know what this is hoping to accomplish well there was a similar i mean this looks more combat heavy what was the grasshopper or suda Mm. free to play game wasn't that called Let It Die? Uh, yeah, or, it was. Yeah, I think so. so uh, th- I'm getting this weird vibe with that and that title. And the ti- the subtitle for this game is Let It Die. Death First, Let It Die. Yeah, that's weird. So maybe it's a continuation <laughs> that or an evolution? I don't know. It's got to be. I didn't it's think they were related. They didn't, they didn't look related visually, I didn't think, but... I when I heard that when I heard that title, I was like, there's no way. Like there's already a game that's come out with this. Yeah, that's weird. Because I got the same vibe too. And <laughs> it's so weird that I didn't even realize the title was the same. Yeah. So I don't know what's up with that, but question. There's gotta be something going on here. I a quick Google search reveals nothing. So either way, don't really care. Not that exciting. Although the effects looked really good. Like the lightning effect that they showed looked great, but it's not a lot to uh for me to go on at this point. Effects are good these days. Yeah. It's developed by Super Trick Games. Don't know who that is. All right. So that's, it was 2022. Uh, Anything else you guys found intriguing or exciting in this uh, state of play? No, I mean, I think we covered it all. Like, I mean, they did say ahead of time that it was like a third party state of play, but I think some people were still pretty disappointed by this, which can understand i agree by some people i think you mean all people (laughs) and (laughs) the blue haze was not around that day let me tell you i didn't watch it live i didn't watch it until just before this show i saw the roundup i'm like blue haze is dissipating into the ether (laughs) not good uh i mean it's only fair i shit on every video this wasn't like a full video but i'm gonna give it a letter grade feel like i do it for everything else it must be done for this state of play my letter grade is an on the nose e Ooh, is that your lowest letter grade ever i, I think, think so might be. ouch that's low are we all doing letter grades i Fuck mean yeah, yeah probably, dude come on probably like an e for me i'll go i'll agree e for everyone huh <laughs> round it out sure why not what the hell e so just uh, zone E on the Let It Die thing. Apparently, Super Trick did develop the original Let It Die. Okay, it was, it was co-developed between them and Grasshopper. So now it the must be related. I played Let It Die. The pacing was remarkably slow. Like the gameplay, this looks way more fast-paced. The action is way more intense. So it feels like they've learned from that game. But yeah, I got the same vibes. It all makes sense now. I, I can't believe I didn't put it together when I watched this video uh, 25 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> I guess it was an hour ago. All right, moving on. The metaverse. What the world was talking about. Facebook. Did the company change its name to Meta? Yeah, for the most so. part. I guess they're saying Facebook, the app, will still be called Facebook. Uh, but the company, I think, is changing to Meta. And also Oculus is rebranding to Meta for the most part as well. Okay. Mm. I didn't wow. no, I didn't know that part. Again, this is not yeah. uh I only watched this because 
Huck sent out a video via message about CarMax Keynote. Uh, and I mean, the world was talking about the meta stuff. I really don't care about it, like the Facebook corporation and stuff like that. But I was like, I'll check this out. I'm getting into Oculus. I think it's really cool technology. And Huck's always raving about CarMax. So let's see what this is about. Always. And I've, I swear to God, I've never watched a video with CarMax ever. I, know, I knew nothing. What? Never. In my life. I've just heard the name. Oh, my God. I might recognize a picture of him if I saw it, but I, I'm, I'm certainly not uh, the level of fanboy that Andrew is and maybe Sean. So this is my first Carmack experience. I can't believe that. Uh, it is shocking. I admit, well, I want to hear your honest opinion about your first Carmack experience because I bet it was revolutionary. It was. <laughs> and I was talking to Huck a bit about this before the show. He is the closest thing to Steve Jobs that I've ever seen. Like in a video presentation format for a company, he reminds me about everything I liked about Steve Jobs when he would do his Apple stuff. Like zero bullshit. He just answers questions. He's honest about, number one, his own products. When he said like how frustrated he gets when he has to draw a guardian sometimes after I've put it down for an hour and you know, you hit the home screen and have to wait for four minutes. Like that's exactly, exactly what drives me nuts when I'm using my Oculus and he, he's so aware of it and he doesn't hide from it and you know, cover it up with other bullshit. He's just honest about everything. He, and he's, I loved his take on driving functionality through use cases. It's not about some, like how the, the metaverse presentation is about where we're going to be in 10 years. He's like, he's always focused on what can we do with what we have today? What's the use case? How is it going to drive the technology? He talked about when he made games. I'm assuming stuff like the um, super texture and stuff like that was to solve mega texture, mega mega texture was to solve a problem for a particular game, not to solve the problem for every game. And he said, the solutions I developed were, eventually generic enough or usable that they would migrate to an engine. So like, I love everything about it, about his take on development and his answers for every, I watched the Q and a, he's just, he's spot on with everything. I agree with almost everything that comes out of his mouth. And uh, like I said, no bullshit and really knows what he's talking about. And it doesn't feel because of his honesty. He's just like, this works. This doesn't, we know it. Like I guess the, Steve Jobs analogy is the the idea of who would use a stylus when you have, you know, five attached to your body or 10, whatever you want to say. But um, I feel like that's the way he approaches design and architecture and engineering. And I loved it. It was so good. It was he has interesting ideas. It's not the same ideas. These, uh, you know, pie in the sky ideas that every presentation is now it's like this is what we're doing this works this doesn't very tangible things i know i'm a programmer and designer by trade but like that really appealed to me so going from the metaverse presentation which is i mean i'm sure the word cringe has been thrown around a bajillion times and i it's just the in in authenticity like it zuckerberg feels I know the joke is like he's an alien or a robot. It does feel that way. Like it's so weird to watch that. Like it's so fake and brutal. And then you just get to Carmack being like, okay, this is what we're doing. This works. This doesn't blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I, this company I would buy (laughs) this company. I want, I want stocking. (laughs) So, uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you agree? Disagree? 
Well, I 100% agree, uh, especially when, like, one of the first Carmack lines is like, well, uh, Mark says we're doing this, so I guess that's what we're doing now. <laughs> like, totally just like, we're fucked. Like, this company is going down. This guy is, like, trying to make the ultimate gaming experience with having no idea of what you need to actually do to make these universes that he's talking about. And then you look at the Connect presentation... And it's all these, like, business guys. Like, he was talking about whatever term he used, um, like, the basically, like, the pie-in-the-sky architecture guys. I can't remember what yeah. he said. Uh, architecture astronaut or something like that. Yeah. And then he's like, and then you watch the presentation, and you could totally see it. These guys are all like, wow, wouldn't it be great if we could, like, experience space and, like, play ping pong meanwhile you have no feedback how is ping pong gonna be good like it just it's it's like i love it, oh in the q a that's the one thing you didn't see he talks about people were yeah. asking him like where do you see what genres haven't been done in vr yet and he's like he's like i think we know what works in vr now it's kind of these singular defined experiences like he always uses the analogy and he's 100 right beat saber feels like a game that was de- destined and could only be done in VR. It's the perfect VR game. And he like just that type of thinking is where the future is. And I, I totally agree. And again, the idea of, you know, where are we going to be in 10 years versus what can we do today? And I think that's a thing I loved about Apple presentations too. They, they were about what are we shipping tomorrow or next month? We've done this already. It's not what we might do. Uh, they were like, Steve Jobs was not focused on, the world in 20 years he might have been internally but what they present to the world is you're going to have this tomorrow and they don't reveal anything until they're ready and know it works for people so like to actually use so i don't know i just oh carmack you sold me huck and the fact the fact that zuckerberg is basically taking his whole company and being like nope we're making the fucking metaverse and you have carmack like arguably one of the smartest programmers in history being like, this is not a good idea. <laughs> like, I don't maybe know if you he, should listen to that guy. I don't know if he doesn't think it's a good idea. He's just realistic about expectations. Where okay. the, He the, doesn't think it's a good idea right now yeah. to focus an entire megalith of a company on. I disagree a bit because he said in the keynote, he's like, he's very goal-driven too. Where he's like, I, like, Next year, a year from now, if we do this and we're not in the metaverse or whatever, we failed. Like, it, like yeah. he, he believes yeah. it's achievable in some degree, maybe not. Oh, the- I don't know. I, I took that as him lighting a fire under Zuckerberg's ass to be like, you're putting us down this road. You better fucking deliver. You better get <laughs> us like the best goddamn engineers that can make this shit happen right away. Because like everything... Zuckerberg showed in that other thing was all like, I'm in this specialized room with 5,000 cameras. Look how it can take my facial expression. Like, okay, that's fucking great in that room. You will never have that room anywhere else in the world. And that's the kind of shit Carmack always rails against. Like, why would you take this? If you look at all his VR design, his thing was like, okay, we need to make it as easy as possible 
to put this headset on. We need no cables. We need to like w- when he was working on the Gear VR, reducing friction. Rift, I think is a term he uses often. Reducing, cri- yeah, exactly. So now you have the metaverse, which is literally like adding friction. Like you are now making everyone put on a fucking crazy headset that has all these cameras taking your face and like analyzing your hand motions. Like that's adding friction. This is like the anti-Carmack decision, and I just think. I'm very scared for Meta uh, because I think Meta is going to be going. I guess the positive fast. I would say is it seems closer and a little more achievable than you might have thought before watching this presentation. It's like, well, they did something that's kind of a metaverse thing for the Q and A. Feels like I didn't know what Horizon uh, was, but it, it feels like it kind of works. Now, Carmack alluded to this too. Like as I was watching this, I was watching a YouTube comments section on the side and it's like that's what happens he talked about the idea of open versus closed uh kind of spaces and like design with like you know twitter versus you know something someone owns and you watch comments and it's like what happens when every horizon space is this weird like trolling uh <laughs> comment section and all this stuff like that's un- actually what happens in reality with this stuff and i don't know how I-, I think they're thinking about ways to get around that but i don't know it's it's a uh, carmack it gives me faith that this could work honestly you, you forgot to say carmack legend carmack legend <laughs> i did forget <laughs> to say it <laughs> Uh, well, yeah. So on the Carmack thing, I mean, I didn't watch the keynote, but I just read like a summary of it and I was very surprised and very impressed. Just, you know, this guy, you know, they're, they're rolling out this, this huge presentation and, and setting up like, this is what we're going to do. This is the future. And he is immediately like, yeah, I don't know about this. Like he is not, (laughs) you know, he's not a yes man. He's going to tell it like it is. And he's obviously super smart. So I thought that was very interesting, but the metaverse thing I do find kind of interesting too, just because I love talking about the future. I love people throwing out these visions and, and I mean, this, it, it seems pretty crazy and I agree Zuckerberg fronting this thing is the worst. Like that's such a stupid decision. If they're serious about wanting to make this work (laughs) with all the fuck Facebook, fuck Facebook, (laughs) (laughs) With like the reputation that Facebook has and the sort of the laughing stock that Zuckerberg has become to some degree, he should not have been the guy kind of like front and center on this thing. Like they should have started a new company and and had somebody else leading it. And maybe people would have been a little more on board with it. But I think people are already like laughing at it and thinking there's no way. Um, Just to go back, the statement that Carmack led off with pretty much that in a year from today, I expect to be doing this in the metaverse. I know Huck and I took different things away from that. That gave me more confidence in the metaverse than anything I saw before that. Like he, I don't think he'd say that he, I think he even followed it up by saying, I think that's a hundred percent achievable. And I'm like, okay, it sounds like it might be achievable then. Cause this guy does not commit to things he can't do. You could do that right now. I know, but I, well, I'm sure there's definitely scalability issues. He's, he talked about like uh, a horizon space. Like you can't, every space can't Fortnite be 10 people. Fortnite, be 10 Fortnite people. does that right now. You could, you could do that in Fortnite. You could do anything they're talking about in Fortnite right now. They are already having concerts and live concerts and shit in Fortnite. 
you yeah, can I do mean, there are stuff. some platforms that are kind of becoming what they want metaverse to be. The problem is, and, and this is kind of what Carmack was saying, I think, is that they're trying to force it. Like they're trying to basically say, this is what metaverse is going to be. Whereas you really just need to let people decide that and you need to let it grow naturally. And, uh, you know, Roblox is another big virtual online community that's more than just games. And, and that kind of stuff does make me think that metaverse is possible. But I agree, like, I think you mentioned this already, Huck, but like the big thing they didn't really say during the whole metaverse presentation is that this vision of the future requires people to be wearing a headset 24-7. Like, how is that? Nobody's going to do that. Like, maybe if they have AR glasses or something a little more comfortable and, and not quite so, uh, you know, intense, maybe. But like... Or, or uh, then, holograms or something. I, I don't know how else you do it, but I can't see people wearing headsets through their work day into their, you know, uh, leisure time afterwards. Like, no way. Well, and everything they showed was like heavy CG. And they're like, this is what it will be. Okay, well, what do you have so far? And they showed, I, I, I don't even know if it was real or if it was just also heavy CG, but they showed that lady with the AR goggles on. But then everything in her apartment had like little VR stickers on it to like track where it was in her apartment so that she could walk around her apartment and then just like have a digital overlay of what's in her apartment. Like, why would anyone do that? Like, if you want to tag all your shit in like internet of things little trackers you could do that right now and then just find it by your phone just ping it with your phone or whatever like why do we need an ar set or a vr set to then show you where everything is like you could do that right now and it's way easier on your phone i don't need to be in the 3d space and be like looking up through my roof to see like an, a thing pinging just tell me it's on the fucking third floor or whatever well carmike said too like one of the things we like about offices and this idea of not being in an office, but there was also privacy in offices. You don't want someone around all the time. You can close your door if you have an office and stuff like that. Like no one wants people around all the time, always knowing what they're doing or what they're looking at. So, yeah. And I mean, that's the exact thing that Facebook is completely under fire for. And like, it just, you know, adds to the kind of um, anxiety surrounding Facebook controlling this. I think Facebook is really aware that, I think Facebook is pr- like dead. Nothing lasts forever. It's just people leaving it. So they need a different space to do this in and they have Carmack. So let's make it uh, VR. Well, and they're, they're smart with all their other acquisitions that they've been doing. Like if they just sat with Facebook, they'd be like MySpace eventually. Yes. Right. So, I mean, like, I think there are some places in the world where Facebook is kind of like, and they were trying to do this at one point where it's more than just like a social network, like it's a platform, right? Like they had games on there. They had a lot of stuff that you could build and they were kind of trying to make their own internet at one point. And I I don't know that it really panned out, but now it seems like they're switching gears and just trying to do that in virtual reality. And again, it's like the idea that they are now controlling they are going to be the company that controls this future virtual internet. And, you know, they kept talking, like, I don't know if anybody watched uh, the actual um, metaverse presentation, but they kept talking about like digital, um, 
what's the word like digital rights management stuff where it's like they're like you know you don't want to buy something and find that it only works on one platform you want it to work everywhere but then i'm thinking like but like like you're you're talking about okay we'll buy you can buy something in the metaverse and it'll work in any of the apps for the metaverse doesn't mean it's going to work outside of the metaverse like it's still like such a strange thing for them to be arguing for when it's they're the ones controlling it. Like, yeah, I mean, when I think of the social network and why Facebook was cool to start with, like it's in the movie, it was cool because it was exclusive to some degree. Like I know at some point everyone had Facebook, but like Instagram is pretty cool. I like Instagram, but isn't there an obvious solution to fixing Facebook? I don't know if this has been said before. You're not allowed to share anything. You can only like post your own photos and your own thoughts. Like, isn't the problem with Facebook and why, like, I, I, that's why, like, it was people just sharing things. It was just, why I like Instagram, it's, I pick who I want to follow and I see their actual stuff. Like, when people start, you know, just sharing other clips and, like, I have no interest in that at all. Like, doesn't that seem like an obvious solution to Facebook? Get rid of the share feature? I guess I just feel like people will always but that's how they monetize things, it. right? Like that's like, it's all everything that's made it horrible or made it horrible before I left it was like monetization things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a big part of it. And like, I don't, I personally don't think Zuckerberg is evil. Like I think he wants to do good, but I think he also, you know, like a company needs to make money and it's going to start going in the direction that generates money. And and I, I also I think the meta thing is like Zuckerberg being like, okay, you know what? I fucked up with some things I've done. I don't have the best reputation. This is my chance to create something that's going to change the world. You know, I, I well, and- I, my guess he didn't say this explicitly. I don't know if it, what he says in his business meetings, but it feels like the metaverse is trying to, you know, establish the market space and like what the Apple Store is or the Google Play Store. Uh, would be this is the uh, NFT store, like where you actually showcase NFTs. And now it, we'll either do advertising within an NFT market space, and we can divert from ads and people sharing things to basically taking a cut of NFTs forever. That 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 would be my guess as to where he's going with this stuff. Yeah, that's why well, I mean they did in the metaverse presentation, they were hanging out and they showed like a virtual art art piece. Carmack shot on that too. <laughs> and it was like you, they were all hanging out and they're like, "Oh, cool." And they're like walking around looking at this thing in in virtual reality and then it starts to fade and they're like, "Oh, we you can pay more if you yeah. want to keep checking out the art or <laughs> it's just like, uh, okay." Well, I I think it makes sense if people are going to pay for NFTs you need a good way to do that. They have like the, like their reach is enormous. So, you know, as long as you're the, the first thing established, you're probably going to, unless you fuck it up completely, you're going to do well. So it, it makes sense. And then it becomes less about information and more about sales, I guess. They're, they're moving to a sales structure versus an advertising structure. Just my guess. Uh, but I'm not saying it's going to work either, but Carmack, when he's talking about the 3d art, he's like, everything we've done is about presenting things in 2d. Like he was just completely undercutting that thing. It was amazing. 
It's like we view things in 2D on screens. I've presented a version of ER where it's just screens. It's just different ways of accessing screens. It's like the exact opposite of what they said. He's a genius. I agree. We we need more Carmack. Carmack time. legend. Oh, burn all these companies down. <laughs> <laughs> so just a couple other quick things like that they announced that I thought were interesting. So they did they announced a new VR headset. I don't know if you guys heard about this project mm-hmm. Cambria. But it's they like this high-end headset. And it, it's interesting because I think the Oculus Quest 2 is like by far like the best-selling VR headset to date. I mean, Oculus has a shot at kind of bringing VR to the masses. They're starting to do that. And yet the thing they announced at this conference is this high-end headset. Like I would think they would be trying to get get it down to get something cheaper that everyone can have if you want. Well, I think, I think they said I think what he's... Go ahead, Doc. I, I was just going to... I think what they said is this is sort of like the cutting-edge technology before they've been able to refine it to lower the cost. So this is for like you know, guys who really want the cutting edge shit and don't mind paying that premium to get it before they've refined it down. Which is so how it works is, for everything, right? The way things get commoditized. It's like, you yeah. know, when new technology emerges, like you pay, like I paid a fortune for a DLP TV that, you know, I can get for $300 now. Like that's, that's how <laughs> it works. So, you know, you're paying a premium if you have money to, improve that technology or you want to have early access to it and that's their version of that so eventually it all gets fed down into the quest line uh that ever is for everyone that you will wake up and put on your head when you take your shit in the morning (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i guess if that's that's the pattern they're following i guess it makes sense but i'm just surprised they didn't have like a quest 3 announcement to go with all this or something um, they just upgraded the Quest 2, like, with more memory. I guess it wasn't that long ago. Uh, they announced uh, GTA San Andreas coming to VR on the Quest 2. Carmack loved this. Like, he loves that they're taking old games and turning them into VR experiences because you, the artwork is clearly achievable, right? It, it, tech, um, performance-wise, it's much more doable. How do we make this a fun VR experience? That was his pitch in the Q&A, like taking 2d classic games like Mario and stuff like that, and just giving it some perspective and making those three, uh, 3d games. So I agree. I, I haven't played any more resident evil four in Oculus, but it seems like it works. It's, it makes sense. You're not reinventing design. It's like, how can we make this cool in VR and the assets are not going to be too strenuous. It'll run on a, a quest and I'm not surprised. It seems like, uh, the way to go with this stuff. And a game like it's San obvious. Andreas, you're aiming, right? Like the uh, half of the skills are either walking around or aiming. It'll work in first person. I think there might have been a first person mode in San Andreas. If not, it's been done with mods uh, for sure. So, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I was just going to say, I think it's obvious Carmack needs to come back to games. We've missed you. Come back, please. I think I like I thought shit. I considered him a technical guy. I mean, his design ideas and like linking it to technology he knows what he's doing. He like, that's not a surprising thing. But well, he, I mean, it, it was a small company for a long time and you're like, I'm pretty sure, uh, Romero didn't do all of it. I'm yeah. sure Carmack had some ideas of his own that he threw in there. So, I mean, he obviously has the technical chops to be able to write, you know, rendering code, networking code, all that stuff. I mean, he's on par with like Sweeney and, 
and all the other big engine manufacturers. Yeah, like uh, so. uh, he made me think a bit of Todd Howard. Like everyone likes him because he's he's kind of there, but he's got a little bit of bullshit too. Like you can tell he's like feeding into he's some a designer. The, no, but I mean like writer. he's uh, sugar coating like Fallout 76 and all this stuff. Like he's a bit more of a businessman where Carmack is zero bullshit. Absolutely (laughs) zero, which is, oh, just so much fun to watch. You need to go watch back and watch some of his like QuakeCon talks because he'll just go on and it's amazing. And so speaking of the talk, like you have this legend, this Carmack legend sitting on your, in your office and you give him, a tight one hour to talk and you like cut him off for what? It's not like you're renting office space. Like just let the guy go. He's going to make you all the money. He might've only wanted an hour to be fair. (laughs) Like he might have shit. I don't know. He was, he was talking about how he had like all these notes. He was going to like dump on the internet because he didn't get a chance to go over them. Like he obviously had a lot of shit he wanted to talk about. And he always does. He does the same thing in all his QuakeCon co- talks. Like, oh, I had all this stuff I wanted to get to. So he obviously has ideas of what he wants to just, like, blab about and, you know, talk through. And just let the guy go. Like, give him five hours if you need to. Like, big deal. We need we need more Carmack. That's all I'm trying to say. We need more Carmack. One hour, a, one hour a year is not enough. Not enough. And I guess we didn't really say it. Like, I don't see the metaverse working. Versions of this have been tried before. It's, you know, PlayStation Home, uh, these kind of interactive 3D spaces, whether they're virtual or not, they do not work. Well, even I just briefly pulled up the like Metaverse Carmack Q&A and it gave me totally like Xbox avatar from the 360 era vibes. And I mean, it's not like they were doing anything different. Like Carmack would talk and then the avatar would just flap its mouth. It's not like it was doing. (laughs) People were like doing emote sounds in the background. It's so distracting. Like you're, you're, I know we're seeing what will it be in 10 years? I don't think it's possible for it to get there. This will never work unless it's literally like jacking into the matrix. Yeah, it was like that big screen VR thing where you can watch movies together with friends. And it's like, it's kind of fun, but like, is this a world you want to spend all your time in? Not really. No. <laughs> and I mean, yeah, the presentation looked very out of touch, very goofy. The only thing I'm kind of interested about it and excited about it is just like, it seems like Zuckerberg really wants to do this. It means a lot of money is going to be poured into this. Maybe something interesting will come out of it eventually. But right now, it just seems like this vision they're working towards is pretty silly. And I mean, if I, the thing it reminded me of the most was HoloLens presentations from four years ago. Yeah. And it's like, I remember seeing that thing. That looks cool. We're not even close to that yet either. Like, I, sure, it's being worked on. If it was, I, I still feel we're at a point where these things don't work. People aren't interested in them until, like we said, it's either glasses you put on your head and they just work. If things just work, then okay, we're there. Until it's that, it's like this fun, weird escapism, goofy shit. It'll never be more than that. I don't want, who would want to like analyze an architecture model as like a projected hologram rather than like looking in AutoCAD or 3D Max and being able to actually see numbers and evaluate things? Like, why are we adding these layers of abstraction in presentation when it doesn't add anything? It detracts 
This is a nonsense yeah. idea. This is nonsense. And anyone who needs to type for their job, which is what, 90% of people now? How, or 90% of people that would use this? Why would you think that putting on a headset and then like you'd be able to type? Like, unless yeah, you're it like. It seemed like, they were, like everything they were showing was voice. Yeah, recognition. Like whenever they chatted, people would talk and the words would just come up. So it seems like they're heading yeah. in that direction. But I guess so. But people I mean, don't even want to use sure. phones anymore. I don't think they want to use voice stuff. People actually like typing. That's the biggest surprise out of anything to me. When texting was introduced, I'm like, who wants to type? I'm just going to call someone. I'm still that way. And I know I'm an old person, but uh, I and I admit that. But people like typing now. They like texting. That's. It's, yep, it's garbage. This this idea is garbage. Uh, it, it will develop into usable applications and cool ideas, particularly in gaming. But uh, the metaverse, the earliest I see the metaverse happening is 40 years from now. I will be dead. <laughs> well, I mean, it does make me wonder what this means for games, though, in the sense that if all these resources are going to be heading towards like creating virtual workspaces and social stuff and, and, you know, the Oculus focus on games shifts away, maybe it could be bad for, for games in VR. I'm still not like, I know it's imagine what VR games are going to be in 10 years. I can imagine that. I can also imagine in 10 years, VR is dead. I could see both happening. (laughs) I've definitely gone back and forth over the last couple of years. Don't you feel like we're like, we're almost at a point yeah. where we're going to step over it? Like we're more likely to like actually jack into a matrix. Like I said, like before VR works in a usable capacity. Neuralink. We just need to take everyone. Whenever Elon Musk starts a new company that goes public, you just take all your money and you put it in it <laughs> and just have faith that whatever he does will work. And then Neuralink will be our holodeck, our virtual holodeck, our jacked-in matrix. And then we can even jack into the matrix and then go to space and then fly around on a Tesla on Mars or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, Elon if, Musk universe. It feels like the v, VR might be the palm pilot of interactive 3D experiences. <laughs> Could be. Maybe, yeah. I guess we will see, or we won't. Like I said, we might be dead. Uh, okay, so anything else to say about uh, Meta slash Carmack? Not at this time. Sean, you sure? He's Burn the, all he's these the companies man. down. Fuck Facebook, <laughs> fuck Facebook, fuck Facebook. <laughs> all right, let's get into... I won't uh, be able what, to use that clip very much anymore. Yeah. I'm going to have to create a new one. Fuck Meta. <laughs> yep. Well, we got it now. Uh, Huck, do you want to start with uh, what you played, if you have anything? Sure. I, uh, or should we do Guardians I, of the Galaxy? That's like the big release, right? It's pretty yeah, big. I, yeah, why don't you guys start with that? Okay. So I forgot that there was a major release that we actually played. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is a third-person action-adventure game uh, by Square Enix featuring the Guardians of the Galaxy. And this is uh, a little different in that it's a single-player, you know, playing as the different Guardians uh, you can influence them and control them and interact with them in many ways. But I mean, it really is from the the video. I thought it was an uncharted version of guardians of the galaxy. I think it's closer to uh, God of war is their bigger influence um, in terms of like, it's not a very vertical 
game. It's kind of some minor vertical traversal. You're kind of going on a linear path. It's more about interaction. Even the way you control the guardians, uh, like is very similar to how you control Atreus in, um, uh, God of war. And it's a lot of puzzle solving using the guardians. So I, I think it's closer to God of war. And there was another game. It'll come to me that it was influenced by clearly, but it's just taking a lot in general influences from a lot of 3d action games that have been popular over the last little while, combining it into a relatively new package. There's a bit of sheen on the, the combining overall. It's good. Not great. I would say so far, the pacing is not amazing. Um, the, the story and voice acting is kind of fun at first, but gets really obnoxious. I wish this game would not talk more and just let me play without uh, rocket raccoon saying something annoying and frustrating every three minutes, or I have to tell react to the guardians talking about something. I couldn't care less about what they're arguing about. Like it's fucking stupid. Um, but I like the I like the the way the guns work. Like it's a different type of aiming where you kind of lock on and you're dodging and commanding the guardians. It's not the best combat, but it's at least different than what I've played before. And the graphics are cool. I love the enemy designs. Like it's really creative enemies and the art of the planets you go to. So it's got the visual pacing on par with a Naughty Dog game, but gameplay pacing it does not. I play a chapter at a time. And I'm like, okay, that's enough. I'll come back and play a chapter later. It's not an Uncharted game where I beat it in two days. I have no desire to keep playing this game for more than an hour. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. Uh, was Metroid Prime the other game you were trying to think of? Because I was reminded of that. There's like a visor and you kind of scan things. And no, I mean, that's Batman. That reminds you of Batman. But that's Batman as well, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I like game. I do like... So I'm on like chapter four. I do like the voice acting and the writing, I think is very strong, surprisingly. Um, I mean, I'm kind of curious what you think, Frank, because you always hate video game. I guess more you hate video game stories or you think video game stories suck. But I think this is one of the best written in terms of the dialogue and uh, just capturing these characters that I've seen to date. Um, And I just like I almost feel like there's a lot of cut scenes which I, so far anyway, which I've, you know, I just feel like I haven't done that much. I've played probably like two or three hours. I feel like there hasn't been that much gameplay, but sitting and watching the cutscenes, I'm almost like this could be another guardians of the galaxy movie. Like I'm just enjoying watching these characters interact. And uh, so I really like that. I like, you know, the eighties music is kind of an interesting oh, I, fun touch. I love that. The, uh, the rally, even though the rally, like selecting what to say is kind of an LA noir influenced thing that is not that much fun to do. It's like obvious and takes too long to get there. But when you interject um, like popular music into fighting sections, like it actually elevates it. It makes it better. And I think I, I, I like that. Well, I think that's what people loved about Control, the the ashtray maze when it's like that metal song. And I said, like, why has why has no one done this yet? Like, actually brought more music and soundtracks into games. And I think this one does it well. Like, it's a like real songs, obviously pulling ideas from the movies, Guardians of the Galaxy, but it works. It it adds a level of polish and excitement to that stuff. So, 
I think the the characters for the most part are well written. Oh, definitely, Fallen Order is an influence as well. The way the ship lands and you do yeah. all the stuff on there, and the ship's kind of this hub for that your collectibles and conversations. That's all the same. Um, there's another one too, but I like. It's a very polished, well done experience. I just don't know if it's that much fun. And like you said, the writing is better than most, but I would definitely not go to the level that it could be a movie. Not even close. Like, I think if you reduced some of the filler, possibly you could condense the best stuff down to a movie. But there's it, all I keep every weird throwaway line every five seconds. It's like, can this game shut up for like five minutes and just let me play? Yeah, I'm a little torn on that. Like, I like there's. Obviously, there are some sections where you're exploring or trying to solve puzzles. And, you know, it is it is a bit annoying to just kind of have them constantly talking. But on the other hand, it, it feels real. It feels like you're like a lot like there are people that are along on this adventure with you and they're bugging you every time you second guess something or you go the wrong way or whatever. Um, and the dynamic of the Guardians is there. So I kind of like that. But I mean, one of the problems I find is like, sometimes I don't know if the dialogue is important. Like I'm walking around doing stuff and they're just like chattering in the background, but they might in some cases be like telling me what I should be doing and I'm not paying attention. And there's definitely there's cases when, too, when you make a decision and it like this had a permanent right. impact on the game and you don't yeah, know until after you make the decision. There is some branching narrative stuff, which I'm not super crazy about. Just, I don't know. Maybe it will be you know, have a, a bigger impact on the game than I think. But for the most part, it just feels like I, I don't care. I just want to keep playing this game. I don't want to have to actually make decisions about what I'm saying to them. Cause it's basically like, do you want to say joke a or joke B? And yeah. I'm like, I don't care. Just talk, like <laughs> make it more like uncharted. It's just in the background while you're doing what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I don't, and there's some like um, quick time event stuff that I'm not super crazy about. So, yeah, I just, I, I feel like I'm just like the third chapter. There was some combat. I was kind of getting into like a flow where I feel like, okay, I get what this game is and I kind of like it. But up to that point, there was a lot of stopping and starting and like every single battle, there's like something pops up on the screen, some new tutorial of something. And I, I don't know if, how you feel, Frank, but like being able to tell each of the guardians what to do, like I like the environmental puzzle solving part of that but during a fight i'm like i can't keep track of all that stuff i'm just shooting like i'm not telling them to do anything and i'm just hoping they're well, definitely the tell right. them to do things i think the interface is a little clunky because you have to like it's you hold l1 and then you have to do two buttons like one to pick which guardian and then what to do and like there's this yeah. level of indirection that they establish because eventually you get multiple things you can pick from, but to start, it's not very intuitive because I'm like, I'm just hitting the same button twice. Why am I doing that? So I'm surprised it doesn't slow down time to do that. Uh, like it's, I think it does. I feel like if you hold that L one, which is what calls them up, I think it does slow down briefly, but I still, I don't know. It was a lot to take in. I thought, Oh, the Maybe ship, the dialogue it. stuff, very mass effecty like camera presentation and the way you yeah. skip dialogue, everything about it felt like mass effect. So I know it's, it's a confluence of a bunch or bunch of ideas from different games in a slightly unique package that 
you know, I'm surprised it's not getting more attention. Well, being a Marvel game, I think it's. I haven't heard a lot of people talking about it or playing it. It's it's pretty good. I mean, it got good reviews from what I saw, but I, I do think people are lumping it in with the Avengers game and just assuming that that one didn't seem to go over so well and people think it's the same style, but it, it's not. It's not like a, a multiplayer kind of bordering on games as a service type thing. Like this is a one single player, very focused, story-driven game i'm assuming it's the same team as well i think it is the same team as the first two tomb raider games from montreal i think so which uh i mean i love those games they're they're bringing a lot of the same ideas like simplifying controls like automatically going into stealth and like i think they're really good at polish so i tend to appreciate that in games so i'm really enjoying this one so far a little, it's a little clunky. Like even movement, it feels like there's like a pacing, a, a deliberate slower pacing to the game. And my cynical side is to make the game longer to some degree. I had the same thought, Frank, but I am enjoying it. Cool. Uh, I could jump in here. I got back into Astral Chain, which is a Nintendo Switch game. And you play at is I guess it's kind of like a cop, um, and you have this sort of like super powered um, ghost type thing uh, or supernatural robot. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe, but you are kind of like connected to it through this chain, and you can control it by holding down a button and then use the right stick to kind of move it around. And there is uh, elements of exploration. And sort of like collecting things with this uh, this supernatural robot thing, and uh, there's a lot of combat. You have uh, you know like a melee attack and a ranged weapon, and then you can also kind of fire out your astral chain guy to attack also. And then there are also uh, special moves you can do, like you can use the chain to wrap around enemies to kind of tie them up and stun them. Or if an enemy's charging at you, you could kind of spread yourself to one side and then spread your astral chain to the other side and it'll kind of do the same thing. It'll slow them down and then wrap them up. So there is some strategic kind of like combat elements you can use with them. And I'm, I'm really loving the sort of like just over the chop over the top, uh, Japanese kind of like uh, storyline of the game. And I had played this game probably like the first hour. I had kind of just gotten out of the tutorial and then um, I kind of put it down, but now I'm, I'm back to it. I've probably put in two and a half hours and I'm really liking it. Uh, I would, I'm definitely going to go back, keep playing it. And it's, it's a fun uh, game. The story is a little weird because you basically have these robot things coming through a dimensional portal to kind of like steal humans and kind of destroy the world and you're supposed to stop them. But there's some interesting characters and they have their own little like personality quirks that are in your kind of like police team. And it seems like they, you know, could tell a, just like a sort of like an anime style story that is kind of just like a fun ride. So I'm enjoying it. And, uh, anyone who's interested in kind of like, uh, Oh, it's by, um, platinum, isn't it? Platinum. Yeah. Platinum. It's by platinum. And so anyone who likes Platinum Games, I would say give this one a look. I've been waiting for this one to go on sale. It never does, but... Library, baby. (laughs) Library. 
Uh, I got one other thing just to briefly mention. I played a bit of Echo Generation. It's on Game Pass now. I did play the demo for this a while back. And so, I mean, I've probably played not too much farther from where I made it to in the demo originally, but this is a um, RPG from Coco Cucumber who did Riverbond. It's another kind of voxel-style uh, graphical game, but it's this is like an RPG. I would compare it to like Costume Quest and Earthbound kind of thing. It's like takes place in the 80s. You're like you know, a kid kind of uh, weird things going on in your town and you're you're walking around and looking for clues and things like that. And uh, the combat is, um, you know, turn-based, a little bit of um, timing windows to give you an extra boost, that kind of thing. Um, but I'm, I'm liking it. I, I will probably keep playing it. Um, curious what Huck thinks of it, if he ever gets around to trying it, because it might be up your alley. I want to try it, but I'm finding my Game Pass like install list is just growing so huge, and I never get to any of them. And I really, I've like been keep the I keep putting like Alien Isolation on the top of my list, and I've been dabbling in it every once in a while, and I still really like that game. And I just, I just don't have the time to like play all these games anymore. I, I, I. Like, even, like, Back for Blood I want to try. I haven't had a chance to try that yet. Like, all these awesome games are coming to Game Pass, and I just I don't have the time right now to dive in. And uh, it's really too bad because I want to try all these games that are coming to Game Pass, and I just I don't have the time. I hear you. Like, Game like. Pass is so great. The games are so awesome, and no one plays them. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, some, some people play them. Uh um, should should we talk about Back for Blood? I know we said last week we were going to talk about it this week, and I don't think any of us played any more. But th- we did put up a, a video on uh, the Film Junk Patreon of us playing it for a bit. Did you have any thoughts, Frank? Not a lot to say other than it's a lot like Left for Dead, which is a good thing. I don't think it's like it has an overarching narrative. I prefer at least for now, Left for Dead's single-story movie poster framing of a session more than a continuous story element. And I found the cards. Is that what it was? Like, these mods yeah. and cards, like, very uninteresting. It felt like an attempt to make it a roguelike. Obviously, it's to, like, give you reasons for replay and for tweaking a run in the game, but I wish they would have gone with a more roguelike approach. Like, take a one of the maps in left for dead like that idea where it's an hour experience and then let's make that completely unique through mods or uh boons or whatever you want to call it like make that a more roguelike experience uh i feel like that would have been a perfect match rather than this version but i still like it the core gameplay is left for dead and it's still fun but uh it doesn't feel like it's elevated in any way I think I might rather just play Left 4 Dead again. I don't know if that if you feel the same way. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same place. Um, I do think the card system, like, I don't know, I've read a little bit more about it. And, like, obviously the idea is that, like, as far as I remember, the original Left 4 Dead 1 and 2, like, there's no classes or um, real customization for your characters, right? So I think this, they're trying to, like, I think who you choose they they have different skills each of the four yeah. people 
And then on top of that, you have the cards. So I think you can kind of have a build in this game, and that's the idea, which I like. I just, you know, initially jumping into it, we kind of just randomly picked stuff, and it was frustrating when somebody's taking forever to pick their cards. But that's what makes Left 4 Dead so good. Like, you can jump in any time, play with someone, know you'll be done in at most an hour, and that's a singular experience that's fun. And... Yeah. Like, to me, it makes perfect sense to just incorporate those choices, not as cards, but like in the game. You do something and then everyone picks something or and it changes the way you play for that turn or that hour. And I don't know, these feel like obvious design decisions to me based on roguelikes and what we've learned about uh, procedural gameplay. That was one of the features of Left 4 Dead, this idea that wasn't it the director, there was a the director system in left for dead that determines where zombies come from. That was the procedural kind of AI aspect to left for dead. And I feel like they failed on that level. It's kind of the same things happening all the time. And to me, there's obvious, there's obvious solutions for some of this stuff. The levels are still randomized to some degree. Yes. To some, but when we hit a checkpoint and redid a section, it's like, okay, this is what we did last time. It did feel kind of similar. Yeah. I mean, in in theory, I like the campaign thing, but it doesn't feel like there's much of a story there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't feel invested like you're actually progressing through something, at least not so far. I mean, I I like it. And honestly, I haven't, the card system could be better than I'm giving it credit for. And it might be more like what I want it to be. I just don't know it that well yet. So I I would play it some more for sure. It's, it's a, it's a decent game. Yeah. All right. Anyone else? I guess I'll say I've been still making my way through Luigi's Mansion 1 uh, for 3DS. My plan was to play all three. I'm still <laughs> slogging through the first one. And, I mean, it's it's charming is the best word to describe Luigi's Mansion. Like, each room is a, a mini puzzle, uh, a very specific environmental puzzle, which I like. I don't think there's enough environmental puzzles uh, in a lot of games. Everything becomes, like, using the building blocks in different combinations where, you, where you, it's like figuring out the solution based on things, you know, I like that every puzzle is so unique, uh, but there's still, the controls are so frustrating in Louise, Luigi's mansion. And on three, first of all, it's three DS. So I've actually been dabbling with using the three D screen, which is better than I remembered it being, but then you have to use tilt controls to control. And it's like, you cannot play that in three D. So it's like this weird, <laughs> disaster of usability but it's still kind of fun I, I still don't get it per se but there's something oddly compelling about it too that's probably the charm and nintendo presentation so it's unique I, that's the biggest compliment you can give luigi's mansion like it's never been done before it's this weird control scheme there's nothing like it it's not that much fun it's pretty much the exact same way i felt about it when i played it for gamecube in 2001 or whatever it was yeah, I mean, I, I still want to go back to three because that was the one I enjoyed the most. But um, yeah, just haven't gone back. Let's just say I'll probably be playing Luigi's Mansion 2 next Halloween, <laughs> if at all. <laughs> and I feel compelled to beat it because I bought it for $50 full price on the 3DS. What a mistake yeah, that was. It. Jesus. <laughs> all right, that's it for me. Anyone else have anything? No, nope. nope, that's it. Okay. Uh, 
Any big releases this week? Call of Duty is next Friday, I think, right? Yeah, there's a couple things. I don't know. Like November overall is kind of slow, but I know Forza comes out in like a week or so. Um, what else? Yeah, I feel Call like the Duty big release is on Call November of Duty. 5th. Forza Horizon 5 on November 9th. The GTA Trilogy, November 11th. And then Pokemon and Battlefield. And Final Fantasy, I guess, too. And Halo in December. Yeah. I had a dream about Halo the other night. Yeah? And it launched the campaign, and the campaign was like a Tomb Raider temple of osiris two and a half d and that was their campaign <laughs> but it was weird like i'd be into that <laughs> it all made sense do we didn't uh mention this but they did put out a new campaign video this week like Which, after like a year of radio silence yeah and there was not much in it i mean it looked better but it was a weird like it wasn't really a trailer right like it was more of a almost like a behind the scenes or just I don't know. It was weird how they framed it. But it's coming, apparently. Can you imagine any other game that's the size of Halo? We can all agree, like, popularity-wise, legacy-wise, Halo, one of the biggest game franchises ever. Like, we get two-hour Nintendo Directs for a new character in Smash Brothers, and people talk about it. <laughs> yeah, ad nauseum. away from Halo. And Halo does a and- campaign <laughs> update for a game that's a month away, essentially, and no one is even, it doesn't even register? Like, that's... It is weird. It is weird. It's Halloween, Sean. That's terrifying. <laughs> So hopefully there's some uh, megatons this week that we can talk about next week, but maybe we'll have some more uh, games we played. Check us out on youtube.com forward slash game junk on Twitter. Andrew is Huck city and I'm not, he's not Huck city. He's Huck city here right now on Twitter. He's my angry commute and equilibrium sis. And uh, Sean is film junk until next time. We'll see you later. Bye-bye.